This is the A to Z podcast. Zach Jackson, Andre Knott, at Akron Jackson, at Dre Knott on most of your favorite social media platforms. At A to Z podcast.com, at Facebook.com slash A to Z podcast. Shouts as always to scene, to the honeymoon grill, to American Fireworks, always open at AmericanFireworks.com. Shouts to you guys for listening, for tweeting, for helping this thing grow. Um, if you're new here, welcome. We just want you to know we get excited. We say four little words. We venture into mature slash immature subjects. So if any of that is not for you, uh, or if you're in a work environment or there are kids around, put on earbuds or come back to A to Z at another time. Oh, what a time, Dre, to be alive. The Cleveland Browns. Oh, what a time. Are yeah, eight and man, three. eight and three. It's all unbelievable. You wake up and you can't believe it. They're, I mean, it's it's pretty phenomenal that there's that many bad teams in the NFL, but I give the Browns credit because if you say anything the wrong way, everybody thinks it's negative. For so many years, we've watched the Browns kick themselves in their own uh, butt. It's nice to see other teams do it to themselves and go for two when there's no reason to go for two and not be able to make it and call bad plays and make Andrews Zendejo the star of the day. How many snaps did he go without breaking up a play? And then he waited until Jacksonville to make the two biggest plays of his life. On, the 600, on his 675th snap of the season, his starting NFL free safety got his first pass breakup. Hey man, we all hey, we all age and mature differently. Andrew <laughs> saved his. <laughs> and that's the gist of this podcast. We're getting there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Slowly but surely, we're going to get there. It took the day almost seven hundred snaps. It's going to take me about seventy years, but we're going to get there. <laughs> uh, yeah. So look. Um, it is cliche as it is, right? If you make the fewest mistakes, you give yourself a chance. It's cliche right. as it is. Every team has good players, right? So not only do the Browns now have some great ones, and even though they're missing probably 60 to 80% of them uh, in that game, like you know you're going to get a good effort from Jacksonville. And, and they're not capable of a great effort, but they could have won the game. The Browns keep finding a way, right? They have not dropped a game. That they shouldn't have. I mean, the Raiders thoroughly outplayed them that day under those circumstances, and Miles Garrett was not himself. Um, we know what happened in those other two games. We know they're going to get a chance to avenge those. Although Dre, I don't think "avenge" is the word. It's yeah. measuring. It's improving. You know, the coach is mostly taking the ball out of the quarterback's hands. He's getting to his running backs, and the defense, which is out, man. I mean, look, they only gave up two plays of twenty plus yards. You know, um, with Garrett, they've they've created turnovers and the offense has cashed them in. I mean, again, cliche, complimentary football, win the turnover battle. You give yourself a chance and to go eight and three, you've given yourself a chance to play for big prizes, play significant games. And and it's just the dream set up because nobody knows where it's going to go. Um, Nobody knows if you're even going to get 16 games. Sure. Sure. You don't know from week (laughs) to week if you're playing Sunday at one o'clock. That is for sure. So in I mean, a situation where you're still should be growing into what the coaches are trying to install and the front office is still evaluating who fits that, who might fit what, who doesn't fit, you're getting a chance to play these big games against quality competition and with high stakes, and that's what you want to evaluate under, right? I mean, you yeah. can't ask for anything yeah. than that. So um, it's it's a we've seen a lot of long Decembers, December and Berea, uh, goes back yeah. a long, long time, and it, and it hasn't waited for December. But here's your dream December in that if the weather comes again, you've got the running backs, you've got the setup, 
Um, it's not like you have to go four and one to make the playoffs, right? You might not even have to beat any of the three remaining good teams on your schedule to make the playoffs. Yeah. You you just you have a chance to see where you really are and look. You know, everybody. Well, let me wait, let me stop you for a second because you just hit on something. You hit on the um, you hit on the fulcrum of the twenty twenty Brown season, in my opinion, um, because some of us, like I, I think I said last night on the radio, the preseason is over for the Browns. They had an extended preseason, mixed in a couple real games, and for a guy like me, no offense to the first eleven games. I think I'm going to remember these last five games and what they do on them a lot more than I'm going to remember what happened in Jacksonville last week. I know it's part of our job, part of our thing to, to, to update what happened in the last two or three days and to react off the last two days. And really, I put what happened in Tennessee – or excuse me, I put what happened in Jacksonville in the same bucket that I put in what happened against the Bengals on a Thursday night and what happened in the Bengals game on a Sunday down in Cincinnati. Um, all well and good all something that I'll check off and remember, but I rate those games on a curve. I'll probably rate the Jets game on a curve. And I don't think I'm the only one to do this. I don't think, I think this is fair. Um, I think I'm fair in every, you know, I, I, I hear this in every sport. I heard when the Indians were beating bad teams constantly, that's all we heard about. We're going to judge them when they play the Yankees and they play the, the Oakland A's and, and, and teams of that nature. We said it about the Cavaliers when they actually played and had a good team I think that's how we go about things. And the greatest thing about this, for those that want to turn this into negativity, because it truly isn't, is they have three opportunities to shut up the people like myself that are saying they've done this against half, against teams that aren't NFL quality. I called last week's a junior college game because that's the pace that it had. And now, to me, the function truly is what does happen against Tennessee? What happens against Pittsburgh? What happens against Baltimore? And I'm going to be honest with you, Zach, they don't have to win those three games for no. me to have a respect level for them. No. Just go out there and play because the last team, last time I saw them against a real team, the last time we saw them against Baltimore and Pittsburgh, they didn't look like they deserved to be on the field. So now, go out and prove that you can go against a team like Tennessee that's the true bull. Like, this is going to be Bully Ball USA on Sunday. I can't wait. This is going to be old school football. It's going to be two teams basically saying we're going to run our running back down your throat. And I'm worried because we're not going to have Ward and I'm getting ahead of myself. And A.J. Brown's going to play bully ball, and they're not going to be able to do anything about it. That's what I'm afraid of. But if you go out and compete with Tennessee, and if your quarterback goes out and competes, and, and look, bad passes are going to happen. But you're not going to be able to do against Tennessee what we've seen from six. From, and we'll get to six in a little bit. This is what I've been waiting for, Zach. That Jacksonville game, the two-cup coffee games that they've had weekend after week, that's great. What we're going to remember is what happens in December. No, that's exactly right. Um that's kind of how it always is, right? Um, just the stakes are there. And look, you've been waiting for a real season. You know, two, two years ago, they were 2-5-1. and one. They fired the coach and the offensive coordinator on the same day. They made a run. You know, they were never legit playoff contenders, right? Even going to the last day right. where the window was open, they, they needed crazy things to happen. But they, we thought at the time they were building something. Why? Because they showed us in the second half of the year that they knew how to win games. Right, they showed us right. that some young players were sending in the right direction. They pushed the chips in; it didn't work out. Everybody felt fooled, burned the whole deal. So now here you're having a real season. Maybe it feels ahead of schedule. Maybe you still feel burned by last year. Maybe you still feel burned by the last twenty years. You know, I keep saying your 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 rivals are the Ravens and the Steelers. 
It's not the writers. You know, some of you guys get that. Some of you guys don't. Right. But like I respond to two comments on stories and, you know, everybody's favorite pandering radio host goes on. And all of a sudden I've got three Zach Jackson fake Twitter accounts popping up that I have to deal with, you know, because I because I'm the enemy because I tell you that Baker Mayfield's an average quarterback when Baker Mayfield's an average quarterback. So um, here's the deal. We're going to judge his season on the next five games. Right, because yep. the first two games didn't matter because the next time again, whether you choose redeem yourself, whether you choose the word improve, whether you choose the word prove, whether you just throw it out there, like it's there in front of him, in front of his team. Nobody knew what the stakes were in Week One. It was strange. You just wanted to get it over with. Anybody with a clue knew the Browns couldn't be ready to play that team, right? Um. The two of us thought they at least had a chance in week six at Pittsburgh. They didn't. We, we did. Right? <laughs> we were wrong. And the average quarterback the average quarterback grew up below average yeah. to start the game, and they didn't have it doing well. Right, right. Yeah, so look, um, I think there's a chance on Sunday that the running backs get going, that Miles makes a couple plays, sets them up, and they score, and they're in this. I think there's a chance they give up 40, and everybody says, oh, my God, what, we got fooled by eight and three. But – I'm not declaring either one. I'm interested to see. And then win, lose, or draw. Come back and Baltimore's season's a mess. Baltimore's going to need that game. It's Monday night. I mean, it's a crying shame you can't have a rocking stadium, but it's everything you could ask for there. You could essentially clinch the playoffs with a win in either of these next two games. At very worst, if you lose this week, even if you lose 38-6 to again, and the Titans won't stay, t- take off the gas like the first two teams did. You can knock Baltimore out by beating them next week, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, uh, and that would, yeah, you can do that. That'd be awesome. Um, I'm gonna be honest with you. If we have an honest minute or two, now that Baltimore is on that max schedule, the man Pittsburgh. Um, I want to say this the right way. Why are we bending over? Why is the NFL? It's not we. Why is the NFL bending over backwards for Baltimore right now? It's kind of embarrassing, and I think for the common guy, and I've I don't think they are. I don't reasoning. think they are at all. I don't think I don't think they are, but they they are, but they aren't. Zach, the game that they were supposed to play was be was supposed to be played last Thursday. I get in twenty twenty. Think there are a lot of things that we that we're willing to bend, and things are different. But at what point are we like at this point? Wouldn't it be more fair to everybody involved to just push that game back and say, if we need to play it, we'll play it at the end of the season on January 10th or January 9th, rather than doing this and flipping all these schedules of all these other teams around. And I hate to be the, the mask police, but from the sounds of things, it comes back to one of their coaches that was a jackass about it, their strength coach. I just, I mean, when you're, when, and look, the Denver situation was a Denver situation. All these situations are different. And I know this virus is ridiculously out of control uh, in a lot of these cities. It just, it, this step, I can, and I, and look, you got Steelers, you got friends that are Steelers. I got friends that are Steelers fans and they're ridiculous too, but I get why they're pissed. And I think if it was anybody else's team, I'd be a tad pissed as well. Um, if you, ha- if your team had to go through what the Steelers have had to go through and dealing with this, it just comes off very WWE-ish, which is very 2020. Well, look, um, I know what you're saying. I, I know why Steeler fans are pissed because they were involved before. But the answer why they mm-hmm. can't play it in week 18 is because there is no week 18. And <laughs> Right. Right. So, like, the fact is it's 
not a conspiracy that the Steelers have been involved in, in getting their shift schedule shifted more than once. It hasn't. And the Steelers had the dream schedule because, you know, they go short, short week, but they were going to get a long week leading into it. And they were going to get the, the Ravens without Lamar Jackson and without J.K. Dobbins and without a lot of guys on Thursday night and right. then get 10 weeks off before they went into a Sunday, Sunday, Thursday situation. They didn't get that. It's the second time they've been jerked around. They haven't had their bye week. They had their bye week back when it was like the first weekend of October, right? It was yeah. barely October because they got shifted around. But I don't think it's any grand conspiracy or any bending of the rules. The Steelers had COVID cases too. The Ravens had a huge breakout that was producing more and more every hour and every day. And as they did the contact tracing, they sat and they said, this guy there's a strong chance this guy's going to test tomorrow. I mean, at one point it was 18 guys. So how are you right. going to play that game? Right. You know, it. Uh, and look, uh, the NFL has not been perfect, but I don't think there is a perfect plan or there's a perfect answer to all this. So I guess while I would understand why Steelers fans and Steelers players would be upset, I, you know, I, I just have a hard time believing there's any grand conspiracy whatsoever. And in fact, here, the Browns benefit. Well, I don't think it's a grand conspiracy. Because yeah, the, the Ravens were going to go 10 days off because um, right. they were supposed to play Thursday, Thursday. And now they're going to get a short week headed into the Browns. Well, the other question I would ask, and this is not just about the Browns and Ravens, how important is practice? Because half these teams are, and we know it's important. I'm not belittling it. The Browns barely practiced last week. Um, a lot of these teams are barely even able to practice right now. I just think we're, you know, and, and I'll say for the most part, the product is okay. There's days where the product's not okay. But what, the Browns what, had just a defensive practice or just an offensive practice last Friday? Yeah. That was bas- and like, and the guys weren't even defense, couldn't even be there. Um, I, you know, and I'm a, I don't, I love the sport. I'm glad we're getting something. But in a lot of ways, and like, and, I, and look, I don't think it's a conspiracy theory at all against the Steelers or against any team uh, or in the NFL sport, the Ravens. I don't think any of that is, 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 it is what it is. I just think that we're dealing with something that, that is taken away from taking away from what we're all used to having. And I think for a lot of these players, some of these games are, are B quality at best. And a lot of that plays into guys aren't practicing guys aren't together. Guys don't know. Now I'll give credit. Like, and I, and like in watching Tampa Bay, and I'll use them as an example. Um, I love how the whole world just thought that Tom Brady, they would give him all these wide receivers, and he would get, you know, Bruce Arians, who we love as a coach, and suddenly they it, – it's like we had the same expectations for them as that some people had for the Browns last year. It's not a video game. They can't practice right. They can't get timing right. Nothing is wrong with Tom Brady. I mean, nothing's wrong with Tom Brady other than he needs his reps. They don't have reps. I keep hearing this. And, and, you know, we, you and I talked about Wentz last night. The Philadelphia situation, and is Wentz a great quarterback? Not right now. But he's in the worst situation ever. I don't think any – Mahomes would struggle in that Philadelphia situation. The receivers can't get separation. The offensive line can't block. What does that lead to? Bad offense. <laughs> I don't care who the quarterback is. But once again, not a lot of reps. Not a lot of, not a lot of knowing who the hell you're playing with or what's going on. That's just what the game is right now, people. And the Chiefs have it a little bit better because they've got this ultra quarterback who's out of his mind and has these receivers. You know, I had a buddy text the other day. They're like, how does Tyreek Hill get open? 
I was like, uh, because the tight end has a thousand yards and you can't double team anybody. And if you know that the other team's going to play zone, they can just run zone busters and kill you, what they did to Tampa Bay. They have something, and because of the continuity that they have with Andy Reid, with that offense, they're way ahead. They don't need the reps like everybody else. But, Zach, you've covered this game for a long time. You know a lot of coaches, and, I, and, and coaches can't complain about it. But I know we went through this with baseball and little things that they were used to being able to do during games that they just couldn't do. And players from every team would be like, dude, it, it, it's terrible not being able to go look at video. It's terrible not being able to go take six swings underneath the cage like we usually do. It's terrible not being able to have, you know, I'm surprised we haven't had more teams say it, but it's obvious when you watch the game, Zach, that the lack of reps and practices are killing the good teams and the bad teams right now. How do you cover Tyreek Hill? I mean, he's one 20, of the fastest humans on the planet. The ball is yeah, almost ten yards off. Yeah, the ball is almost always thrown exactly to where <laughs> he wants it, and he right. knows that to the point that half the time he's already making a cut. Before he's yep. even securing the ball, right? And he like, knows things you would do. that like he's totally willing to catch a pass and risk twenty yards because he knows like you're probably not going to get him there, but like he's going to run around and great things are going to happen. Like right here's I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it'll go into something that we can talk about with six. There's two theories of what you do with a small fast guy on the outside because when Tyreek first came in and you know this they didn't they played him he was like a slot receiver more like a like a gadget guy, right? They bring mm-hmm. gadgets with them. Now they're willing because of they've gone out. And, and what the Chiefs have done is, is, is just brilliant. They put so much speed around them that they have you playing on your heels already because it's not only him, but everybody else can run a 4-3 um, out there. What most teams would do in the past is you would go up and bump around. If they want to play him on the line of scrimmage and line him up like they have been lining him up recently, you put a corner on him and get your hands on him and you, and you disrupt the timing of their offense. The problem is if you do that and you miss, you know the band's playing. <laughs> the other problem with that is is that um, he's more than a speed guy. Like, his speed is great, but because Mahomes can make time in the pocket, they don't have to be on time. You know what I'm mean? like? You know what I mean? like, they're not one of those teams that's got to be a three-step, five-step drop. Ball's got to be out. Ball's got to be here. Seven-step drop. He plays with the perfect quarterback, Zach, as you know. They break off plays. I mean, and you and we see this, you know, we, I'm trying to think of the other team we see this with. There's another team. that There's nobody like these two. Um, I would say if you have the right corner and safety, you beat the hell out of him at the line of scrimmage and you just try to beat him up like the Chiefs or like the Patriots used to do with Marvin Harrison way back in the day. Not many corners can do it. You can't put your hands on guys the way you used to. So you play 10 yards off with a safety and a linebacker playing underneath like the <laughs> like Tampa Bay tried to do. The problem is they can stretch you so quick that if you don't get pressure with the front four, the band, they're damn near unstoppable. <laughs> As I continue talking, they're right. damn near unstoppable. Yeah. They really are. I mean, it's like, how do you cover Tyreek Hill? How do you cover Ky- Kadero Hodge? I mean, everybody, people want to know. <laughs> <laughs> you funny. You funny, 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 funny. Um, <laughs> think about how many bad games, and I guess I'm complaining, I love the game, but Think about the national games we've had on Thanksgiving, uh, the Monday night that we just had. There haven't been a lot of good football games over the last few days. Sunday night was bad. There's a lot of bad football right now, man. <laughs> and it's, that's, uh, that's, it's part of the, where we're at in the season, but it's just frustrating to watch some of this um, because we have a pretty good idea of what's coming. I mean, the Cowboys should never – nobody in the NFC East 
should be back on, on national TV the rest of this year. No. I mean, come on. Like, <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> it's so, so, so bad. I mean, Colt McCoy is going to start for a first-place team this week. Right. And it's 2020. It's 2020. He's going to start. I mean, and I mean, damn. I, it's just, I mean, look at the quarterback. Look at the quarterbacks in the NFC East right now. Like, just like – and that's who the and the AFC North is taking advantage of that. And you know, like that, you can't. I can't blame Pittsburgh for it. I can't blame Baltimore for it. I can't blame the, the Cleveland Browns for it. But it plays into how you have to assess them. Um, I knew your your journey and your and your jaunt in talking about six would lead to you getting many texts and many things of that nature. Um, I think you're absolutely right. I don't see anywhere where you're wrong. Um, you know. I don't know why we take there's and I had this conversation on the radio last night and I'll continue it here. I don't know why we have these sensitive tones when it comes to quarterbacks and we have these conversations. Um, when LeBron James was a Cleveland Cavalier and went in MVPs, I don't think there was any problem whether it was on this podcast or on other radio stations to mention that he needed to be a better free throw shooter to lead his team to two victories that he needed to do certain things defensively. And I thought that was that was good sports talk. It was real sports talk. That was how coaches and and, and people talk. Um, whether it's baseball and Francisco Lindor coming up with guys on scoring position, I would see on people. I'd see people on Twitter, and I, I know coaches that would say he needs to change his approach and do this and that. Did that take away from Lindor being one of the best players in baseball when saying that? No, it didn't. It was just the con. It was it's the truth. But in this city, for whatever, and I and I get, and here's the thing: I understand. Bernie Kosar, when he was – what year was it when Bernie was pushed out by Belichick? 94? 93. 94, 93, I think, yeah. 93, right. You, I was barely in high school when I remember him. You, you probably weren't even in high – you still were in junior high, the tallest kid on the team, thinking, or you were the littlest kid on the team, <laughs> thinking you could dunk still. Yes. I mean, it's been that long since you had a number one quarterback. But for all you guys out there that take it personal, when, when you're a little quarterback that wears the same – um, little, you know, little, little beard that you wear, a little chain link beard around your face that you wear, and you get pissed off because somebody says the truth about him. What is wrong with you? There's no such thing as a perfect player, and he is not a perfect player. And there's certain things. If you think the coaching staff, at the end of the day, watches film of Baker Mayfield and they all put a parade together, you're out of your mind. And the conversations that a lot of us, because we're not piling on, it, it, you know how much easier Zach's job would be if Baker Mayfield was, was Mahomes and the stories he could be writing about, about how you have this great quarterback, this accurate quarterback, who not only is accurate, but knows his reads and knows his signs, the telltale signs of where the ball should go. That's the thing that scares me, and I'm sure it scares coaches, because I actually talk to coaches when we see certain things. And, and the scariest thing is Baker Mayfield, still at this point, and, you, and I know the excuses, and I know the reasons, changing of offenses, the player not having the same players, on and on and on. But there's certain reads, people, that and, – and, and, and I know everybody can watch the film now and everybody acts like they're a coach with their clicker and they run through it. There's only about two or three people that actually do it and know what the fuck they're talking about, but that's nor here nor there. There are certain reads and certain things that quarterbacks have to see in, in, in split seconds. And for a kid that's won the Heisman Trophy – and this plays into these wide-open offenses in college where everything is pretty much dictated to where they should go. There are certain reads he just doesn't read quickly enough, Zach. And against the Jacksonville team that had, had practice squad guys in the, on their entire secondary, except Wilson, you can get away with it. 
You make the mistakes he made last week in Tennessee, this week. You come late with a pass, and either in another one, you're going to get your running back killed. Number two, two or, the, two or three or four of those passes that were bad passes, they're going the other way, and the band's going to play. And, you don't, and the game's not close. I don't understand why you can't freely have a conversation about the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns without all hell breaking loose. It, it makes no sense to me, and it really says more about this city and how we walk around. What are you afraid of? Like I said, we talked about LeBron not hitting free throws and how bad his defense was at times. We talked about Frankie Lindor when he can't hit with guys in scoring position. I heard people try to kill Jose Ramirez for a year when he couldn't hit. Suddenly he was the worst player ever, and people said he was on steroids. But if you say something about six, you no longer are, are a true Northeast Ohio. That is so stupid and ridiculous to me. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't do us any good, right? Because what you have is you have people that love football and you have people that love the team and have been waiting for the team to win. And some of them are just like, hey, this beats the alternative. But some of them are always out, too, you know. Like some of them have well, taken their war on the media to the point that they they have to be fake media, so it doesn't do us any good. Um, <laughs> well, you know, you said something else that's good though, and, and it's partly true. And it's true. I, I get that you love your team. There's nothing wrong with loving your team. Um, my wife loves me and has no problem telling me when I do shit wrong. <laughs> like that's that's part of love. That's how it works. And here's the other. And Lloyd put it very well on Sunday. And I think we, and I have to put this in context. I have to put this in a box too. Average compared to what we've seen since '99 is is like being with the beauty queen, right? Um, we haven't had close to average. We've had some of the most pathetic quarterback performances we've ever seen since '99. Sure, no, you're, you're I remember, right. I remember, but I, I, I remember guess we the made, whole we point made a trip is to Tennessee. the whole point remember, is. Remember the trip we made to Tennessee? Let me let me get this in real quick. Remember the trip we made to Tennessee with the Browns? I can't recall. It was with no. I don't so remember I one second of being in Nashville my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'll remember this one because Ken Dorsey started and couldn't throw the ball five yards. <laughs> <laughs> the night before is what you try to forget. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, they've been there, but I guess the point is, you have Miles Garrett, right? You have Nick Chubb, you have Denzel Ward. You know, just a year and a half ago, you traded for Odell Beckham and to a lesser extent Olivier Vernon to get there. Like, the Browns, you know, whether this year, you think this year is ahead of schedule or not, and again, this is two weeks from now, we'll we'll probably know or, or know more about that. Like, they haven't been here to where next year it's going to be like, holy shit, maybe they should win 10 games. Or, or at least, the, you know, it would be disappointment if they don't, Right. Holy shit, now is the time. Look look, look at the Ravens go from the top of the mountain to all this adversity so quickly. Ben Roethlisberger is going to be 39 years old next year. Like, maybe the window's opening. You just haven't been there. So when you look and see that the guy who plays the most important position is perfectly average and in 40 starts is showing you every week who he is, which is not awful, which is capable of making good throws and great ones and then making perplexing slow decisions and bad misses, just like every other quarterback, you start to say, well, maybe if they're ever going to get greatness instead of just mediocrity, maybe if there's ever going to be playoffs instead of arguing about the draft all the time, like maybe they need to upgrade the position. That's all. That's all. That's all. And I think you said it last week. It's easier to me to to fix the position than it was before you had all those names you said in the beginning. 
Um, you know, that defensive line. And just think about how that defensive line has played when Garrett's been around compared to when Garrett's not out there. I mean, it was a struggle. And I know they played more plays, and it was the warmest game they played in. It was a struggle for most of that game to get any heat on their quarterback. <laughs> like, and it's like, I get that you don't have one of the best players in football, but what, think about the difference. Suddenly, you don't have to double-team, triple-team a guy. So now we can shift one of the guys. We can help the guard, can help one, you know, before he gets out to, to, the, to the ends, he can help with the D tackles. The center can help both sides. It changes how you have to play. And not having Odell, it changes how you have to play because Odell is an elite talent. They are, look, this should be a positive time in this city. And, yes, they're eight, they're eight and three. They're going to play in a playoff game. Um, what happens in it and what you take from it means a lot. We'll, 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 we'll see. But they're not the perfect team, and, if, and none of us should have expected them to be perfect. So enjoy eight and three, and let's. And like I said, let's see what happens in Tennessee. Let's see what's Baltimore, and even you know what that Giants game is going to be tougher than we thought, than we than we all think it's going. One of those New York games is going to be tougher. The Jets are so god awful; it's not going to be that one. Well, it's yeah, going to be I mean, the, the Giants. Game. Look, the, the Giants game could be that the winner makes the playoffs and the loser does not. Hmm. If the in matter of fact, if the Browns wow. lose these next two, that's exactly what it'll be. Right. So yeah, um, look, look it, um, <laughs> I, the Browns have beaten nobody. Okay, that that's what it is. They've won eight yeah. games, and they get a chance to where they only have to win probably two more games. But if they win a third, that means a then they finally have beaten somebody, and b that they certainly get in the playoffs for the first time in nineteen years. It's pretty good. Well, the running go game, back. real good. Yeah, the right. O-line, real good. Oh. The defense, yeah, good enough to win eight yeah. games so far. What's the DVOA say? They're the worst defense of an eight, eight and three team ever or something? Did you yeah, worst up? overall DVOA for an eight and three team ever. Um, and the DVOA, that, that whole stat is kind of, eh. Yeah, well, but. But, but DVOA is based upon the league average, Dre. Right. Speaking of that word. So basically, (laughs) it's designed, it's a metric, you know, it's a computer driven thing, but it's designed to say the average team in the average second and six situation, second and six situation does this, right? The average team inside the 20 all year long does this. So it's based upon, are you better than average or are you worse than average? You know, it, it drills right. into, it judges you differently if you're playing the Kansas City Chiefs or the Pittsburgh Steelers than it does if you're playing the Jaguars. For sure. Right. All right, let me, um, let, me, uh, let me be, I want to go against you on something. You said they haven't beaten anybody, and I agree. Um, but they did beat a Tennessee team. Or no, no, excuse me. They beat an Indianapolis team at home. Indianapolis was without their best defensive player, correct? If I'm wrong. I've watched that Indianapolis team beat Tennessee. And then I watched them get bully balled last Sunday. Yeah. And actually a good yeah. game. That was a good game. AJ Brown though, just just AJ Brown and Derrick Henry uh bullied Tennessee bullied Indianapolis. I don't think Indianapolis' quarterback is very good. But this kind of tells you where twenty twenty is at. I don't think the Colts are a great team, but I think they're a little bit above average. You know, like they're nine like in a normal season. But you have no idea how they're gonna play week in and week out in twenty twenty, Zach. They're one of the most – they're the hardest team to figure out for me what they're going to do week in and week out. They really are. But the Browns beat them. So when we say the Browns haven't beaten good teams, and I agree with you, 
they beat a Tennessee, they beat a, an Indianapolis team that's got a decent enough record. Yeah, that's their that's their How one win you... against a team with a winning record, and that was a good win. They didn't Colts didn't have Darius Leonard that day. They didn't have DeForest Buckner the other day, but the Browns played well. Tennessee made one bonehead decision with dropping back Philip Rivers' old ass into the goal line into the end zone. Miles <laughs> made him pay, changed the whole complexion of the game. The defense held him to field goals when they made a run, and the, the Browns absolutely earned that game. They did. Um, there's no question that was a fourth straight win, which hadn't happened in I think that was the first time in the new era, right? Or maybe going yeah, back to yeah. whatever. Um, and then the next week they lost by 50 at Pittsburgh. So like with absolutely zero intention here to come on and piss on the eight and three Browns. Honestly, like the reality is in the strangest season ever, you have a head coach that's handled things when it's hour to hour, when we tell you the people in the building say they hate every morning when they have to have split practices, when the defense can't even have practice on a day and you go and you win a game when you don't have your only two great defensive players. That's great. We're going to see what happens. And when you want to play with the big boys, you got to make some decisions. And by the fault of no one other than Father Time himself, you got to make a decision on your key guys. Two of them are great, Chubb and Denzel Ward. One of them is average. What are you going to do? It's not easy to find a quarterback. Right. This average quarterback is the best one you've had in three decades. Right. Yeah, that's very telling. Um, have I asked you who uh, Chubb reminds you of as a running back? Have we had that conversation? No, but no, but I I did have a Chubb comparison I wanted to bring up. So you want to go first or me? Uh, I'll go first if you don't mind. Yeah, because I brought it up. Yeah, I've I've been going back and forth on this. Um, I I love running backs just because it's just Marcus Allen was one of my favorites early on. My dad used to show me videos of uh, Eric Dickerson was fun because I always stood straight up. Uh, my dad actually showed me stuff of uh, Gail Sayers when I you know when I was a young kid. Um, so I've always been into running backs, and I've always been into different styles. Uh, Earl Campbell was another one my dad would always tell me about and watch. Obviously, I wasn't old enough. And it's taken me a minute, and Browns fans may not like this, but I want to ask you because I know you were at some of the games of the player I'm going to say. And when I say this, people are going to think of, of Jamal Lewis, the Cleveland Brown. But he reminds me of Jamal Lewis fresh out of Tennessee that went to Baltimore and was just a bowling ball that couldn't be tackled. And, I mean, you and you're old, you know, when Jamal Lewis, his first four years in the, in the league, five years in the league, it looked like he was going to have every rushing record of all time. Yeah. To me, that's the guy I think it is because of the size and able to break tackles, but also run away from people. There's just – he has a combination in Chubb that you just don't see in an NFL running back very often, Zach. I mean, Chris Wells had it in high school. You know, like, you know, yeah. like it, it, it wasn't even that good at Ohio State. Like we've watched a lot of football, and there's a he's a hard comparison because there's a lot of running backs that break tackles, right? You know, you know Kevin Mack can break tackles, but how many guys break tackles can cut back with the vision that he has and, and go out the back door and, and go eighty on you? And we've seen him do it. So Jamal Lewis, the the Baltimore Ravens, Jamal Lewis who was putting up NFL records is who he reminds me of at this point. In time. Yeah. You know, his rookie year in training camp, I, I kind of brought that up. It sounded silly at the okay. time because Jamal had such a great career. Right. And, <laughs> right. and at the time, you know, remember like they had to trade Carlos Hyde to get him on the field. <laughs> <laughs> That's how bad Hugh Jackson was. And two weeks later, Hugh and Haley were both fired. 
Um, yeah. So I was going through these numbers yesterday. He's got a chance to have the kind of season, um, hundred yard average, or yeah, hundred yards a game, and six yards a carry, that only Barry Sanders and Adrian Peterson have done. But while I was doing that, I was actually um, researching some other things. And, you know, if, if they get there and they're both on pace too, Chubb and Hunt would be the first two backs since 2009 on the same team, right, to to get there, to get to 1,000 yards. And, you know, the game has changed that way. And, uh, yeah. frankly, you know, guys, guys get hurt and a lot of backs – have a good year and get 900 yards, right? Or 950. Chubb, Chubb got over a thousand in the last game of his rookie year and lost two. Uh, you know, right. lost four yards on two carries and, and didn't get there. But Jonathan oh. Stewart, you remember him, right? Yes. Like oh, the, that's a good one. Before right. So Jonathan Stewart was clear, a big back. Um, I knew he was a first rounder. Dre. I did not know he was the number thirteen pick in the draft. Okay, so obviously we're talking big pedigree here, right? Right. And he's his second year in the league is when they, he and D'Angelo Williams both got 1,000. And D'Angelo Williams was the starter that year. He missed three games. Yeah. Stewart played in every game is kind of the, you know, the pinball, the battering ram to D'Angelo dancing all over the place. And they both got <laughs> to 1,000. So Stewart went on to play 10 years. Obviously, his, his average faded a little bit in his last um, few years. You know, he was like the third stringer on a, on bad Giants teams, plunging for two yards. Right. Right. But after those first two years, he played a 10 years in the NFL. He scored 59 touchdowns in the NFL. So Jonathan Stewart is not in anybody's first paragraph or first page of greatest running backs you've ever seen. But I've made the point that he was a damn, his pedigree and his talent level were pretty damn good. Right. After those first two years, he never got over a thousand again. Um, he did average 5.3 or 5.4 a carry twice, but it was mostly more in the 4.6 range, right? Um, he, he played in a Super Bowl, which is obviously, you know, sets, sets him apart so far from Nick Chubb. But just think about how good Nick Chubb is when he already, 30-some games into his starting career, is blowing Jonathan Stewart out of the water in every category. Yeah. You know, you know and Jonathan just- yeah, Jonathan Stewart, was, and I'm not belittling your I, – I, I can see – when you said Jonathan Stewart, I can see exactly why you would compare him. Um, yeah, it's not really more a physical comparison in just of, holy shit, look, look at what yeah. he's doing, right? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, but even physically, they were kind of built alike. Yeah. And they did have speed. I just, I just feel like Jonathan Stewart never – see, I love this conversation. Um, Jonathan Stewart, to me, never hit his – he never hit the peak of what we thought he could be. And maybe and see this is why what the Browns is doing is so elite, honestly. Because think about when Carolina had those two running backs, and I want to say they got to the Super Bowl with Cam and those two running backs in the backfield, didn't they? And they had the fact they had. Robert, I, I'm you know, not sure if D'Angelo was still there. He would have been at the tail end if he was. Okay. But yeah, Jonathan yeah, Stewart was definitely yeah. the starter of the year. They went to the Super Bowl. Yes. Yeah. And they had – well, I'll look it up. And they had Tolbert, who you always call me, who stole all the touchdowns, the fat boy that played fullback and, and defended for him. I guess what you look at, they found a way with that combination. They were trying to – I feel like they used those two trying to save the other ones, right? And they never really helped me. I feel like what the Browns are doing is next level because they have these two elite running backs. And I thought they could have got Hunt involved more last week. But that's – I mean, hell, he still averaged, what, six point something a carry. Yeah, 10 right. 
Uh, and if it, and if the couple passes are thrown at the right time and right place, he probably has almost 100 total yards again last week. But that's that's not here. I can't bring up that the quarterback makes bad passes um, on this podcast anymore. But I just feel like the Browns have found a way to to star both of these running backs and to win with them. I think when in Carolina, it was like, yeah, we've got them. But and I feel like Stewart was always hurt as well. And I, I shouldn't do that. I should just go off of one season. I think it's a good comparison. I do think it's a good comparison because I think if you went and looked at combine numbers, you went and looked at size, speed, uh, and all their pedigree, I would think they're closer than what most people think. Um, they're even closer than what I thought on Jamal Lewis. Um, but I will say this. I think Chubb is better than – I think he's better than Jonathan Stewart. I think – and you know, I had a conversation with Scott Petrak last night, and you'll love this because I know you're, you and I pretty much agree, but we've had these conversations about contracts. And Scott said to me last night on the air, he thinks this is going to be the most interesting thing that happens with the Browns front office because everything in analytics says you don't give a running back the contract that Chubb deserves. But at the same time, Chubb – and you've said this – Chubb hits every box of what, you know, to go out and take the old Mike Petton line, play like a Brown. There ain't been a better one to, to put up a picture of a play like a Brown than Nick Chubb. No. You know, he checks all the other boxes other than his position. This, the, how this franchise deals with what they do with Nick Chubb, I think it's going to be very telling to say who they are going forward because we do know with running backs. As much as we love talking about Nick Chubb, as much as we love his eyesight, his cutbacks, his, his, his footwork, um, and I said, this is Scott, you tell me, you know, he's blown his knee out pretty bad. I think all three of the main, uh, of the main sources of his knee were blown out in Georgia. Got that fixed. MCL this year. Got that fixed. Um, Scott told me he still doesn't think he's a hundred percent right now today. Um, do you take a gamble that this kid can, you know, that he won't have one of those major injuries. I can't wait to see what they do because everything to me, is you sign him and keep your fingers crossed that you get two, three more great years out of him. I mean, I, I totally agree. Like, look, when you make these big expenditures, and this is new for the Browns too, right? Like, pe- like people yeah. get mad. Like, when you're playing well, it's fair to say, well, Olivier is a free agent. Well, you have to make a quarterback decision. Well, you got to pay Denzel Ward. Like, you haven't done this, right? <laughs> like, right. you re-signed Joe Thomas and Joe Hayden and nobody else till Miles Garrett came along. Wow, that's crazy. But you're right. But you're right. But they have. I don't know. I. I. I I'm. No. 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 What, what I'm trying to say is, if, before you make these big expenditures, if you're going to pay four guys to be your absolute linchpins, cornerstones, building blocks, whatever term you want to use, right? What is he as a person? What is he to our offense? What? How do we replace him, guys? Kareem Hunt is a former NFL rushing champion and a supremely talented running back. We saw this year he's not a third of the player than Nick Chubb is. What does he mean to yeah, your offense? Yeah. You know? he. What does he mean right. to your offense? Yeah. Everything. You sign him. You Everything. sign him. Yes. Yeah, you have to. And I, and I hate that hit on Hunt because there's something that's special about Hunt, too. Yeah. Um, no, I right. No, there is. But I'm just saying he's not Nick Chubb. It's clear. No, he's not. He's not. But you – but. If, the, if this is the offense you're going to run, I'll give you a perfect example. The Minnesota Vikings offense is really good when Dalvin Cook is healthy. Their backup running back, who a lot of people don't know, but he's, 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 a, he's a nice speed little back. He's a good running back. 
The Vikings offense is not the same when they don't have Dalvin. No, not even close. And it's not even close. Last two, well, we've seen that the last three years. Since they took Dalvin Cook out of Florida State, when he's healthy, the Vikings go up and down the field. When he's not healthy, they can't go up and down the field. There are certain offenses that fit for certain players. When Hunt was in Kansas City, he was in the perfect offense for his skill set. I and I, I know we do this every week, and I and I will continue doing this because to me, what really matters. Kevin Stefanski is the baddest coach the Browns have had since they came back. I love the mix of plays he uses with those guys because he knows I can't run. Like this is what's great about the Browns offense to me. Stefanski does not, for the most part, does not run the same running plays for Hunt and Chubb. If you notice, a lot of Hunt's runs are to the right-hand side and usually to the outside on the right-hand side. Where have Chubb's biggest runs come from the last three weeks? They've all been to the left-hand side with Wyatt Teller pulling around or double tights on that side. He, I mean, the two runs in the last two home games were almost identical down that left sideline going towards the, the going towards the uh, locker rooms. Um, the way he gets the way, and this is the other thing, and I'm going to be nice in how I say this. Stefanski is so damn good at calling plays. He makes the offense so easy for Baker Mayfield. And that's why I grade him the way I grade him guys. Like, let's be honest. Like, he started the game, and I texted Zach on Sunday. The first play was the perfect – like, you could tell he set up that play to get Jarvis going. He gets, he has Jarvis come underneath and has, you know, has the linebacker on Jarvis. We all know Jarvis is going to run away from well, most linebackers. So he picks up 18 yards, first play on a, a pass that Zach or I could have made or whoever's listening could have made. The next pass was a little swing to a running back. So he had, like, 48 yards passing on two passes where there were passes of all of five yards to get him going. I'm not putting that down. Then you roll him out and you give him half the field. I mean, Jarvis Landry had his best game, and it goes back to a podcast that you and I had when Jarvis first came here, and you warned people. And you warned him the right way, and I know some people didn't like what we said, but you're like, hey, Jarvis puts up number one receiving yard or numbers, but he's not a number one receiver because of his speed. You have to use him in the slot. How did you see the guys that he found Jarvis, he got Jarvis matched up against last week? Stefanski is really, really good, guys. No, yeah, the play, the play designs are beautiful. Um, yeah. In, in the press box when, you know, it's it's like a uh, a first and ten, or, or more specifically like a second and four, and you know the playbook's open, like right. I will stop and make sure that I'm not, you know, crafting some stupid tweet or digging for some right. stat on the second computer. Like I'll take advantage of being on level four and watching – like what he asks Austin Hooper to do, block and release, you know, who comes around in motion. And then later in the game, you'll see that same motion and they go the other way. I mean, yep. they they are getting the quarterback out of the pocket to wide open lanes. They are getting Kaderil Hodge. And, and I love Kaderil. I'm not ripping him. I'm just saying they are getting him open. And then they started hitting some double moves off of it. Right. And, and like last week. Chubb's cutbacks, I mean, it was more, and this is how good he is, it was much more precision than power last week, although he has both, because he had more cutback runs in that game than he's had um, yeah. in a while. But to, to open that up, to keep him from sitting on Chubb, it was move Jarvis around, get a mismatch, and throw him the ball. Jarvis was healthy, yeah. Jarvis was in a groove, and, you know, if eight passes went his way, uh, seven of them were either right on the money or to where only he could get them, and they connected on almost every single one. It's it's great, and I think that's why when we bring up the quarterback being average at times, or being an average quarterback, for me and you get look. When I say this, I'm saying like all of us that are listening or doing this podcast, 
we've all come to a moment in life where we realize uh, we're at, all of us are average at something if we're lucky. Most of us are only above average at, at one or two things, some more than others. Um, and we all come to a fruition in life where we realize I'm not fast enough, I'm not tall enough, I'm not big enough, or I'm, I'm too fat, or whatever, that I can't play this sport anymore. As a Browns fan, and when you have someone as gifted as Kevin Stefanski is at calling plays and running a team, there's certain positions that you just can't be okay to be average at. Yes, let's enjoy where they're at and enjoy a playoff game or enjoy whatever the journey may be. But when I have the conversation of average quarterback, let's say it's top 15. Do you have the ability to go to a Super Bowl with an average quarterback, Zach? Yes. Sure. Maybe. Do you have the, do you, maybe Garoppolo last year. I mean, we can go through it. There are guys that are average that get there. Do they win all the time? Eh. Tannehill was, you know, a couple was eight minutes away from possibly getting in there. But when you look at the scope of the AFC over the next decade, because I want Kevin Stefanski calling my plays for the next decade, Mahomes isn't going to make, isn't going to make the Super Bowl all 10 years, but I'm pretty damn sure he's going to make it four or five of them. So you're going to have four, six or five other opportunities to possibly get to the Super Bowl in the next 10 years. I still haven't brought up Deshaun Watson. I still haven't brought up right. Ben Roethlisberger. I'm glad you said that because I, I just got a call. I got a return in five minutes. But that this is a great way to, to sum it up here. Um, look, if it ended today, and this is the dumbest thing that we all do as writers, tweeters, just general, because it doesn't end today, right? But it's a talking right. point. Right. If it ended today, you'd be the number one wild card. And you would play Buffalo, and you would have a chance, right? I mean, it might be it might take you three days to drive there because of the snow. It might be delayed <laughs> because of all that shit. You know, you don't know what the weather would be, but like Buffalo's a little bit ahead in their program. Their quarterback is supremely talented athletically. He's erratic. They do a good job of taking the ball out of his hands at times. They let him rip at times, right? Like you would have a chance. I just think it's so important in the scope of chasing Patrick Mahomes and knowing exactly what you need to do eventually. I just think it's so important. You get in the playoffs and you run the ball against eight man boxes that know that it's coming. Right. And you would yeah. give your evaluators a chance to see how the quarterback reacts there and, and to all the circumstances and Stefanski himself, who has been excellent, has not been perfect. Is not going to be watch these teams and watch how they take a leap. Once they get there. The Titans last year, for yeah. example, right? And and I think you're going to see peak Titans. I think you're going to see on Sunday a team that thinks it can get back to the AFC Championship game. But, like, you have to get there to know it. And, and even if it's not Buffalo, even if it's the Titans again, if it's the Steelers on a back-to-back week, which will be weird as hell, if it's the Chiefs, and, you know, you have to run it every time and play keep away to try to keep them under 45. How, however it works out, we don't know. But I just think in your growing process, it's so important to get there, run what you run, and measure yourself. And that's what this game, that's what the Ravens game, as strange as those circumstances are going to be, that's what picking yourself up and six days later going to play the Giants who are playing for their season is going to be. And then we got still got the possibility, Dre, of Week 17. I don't yeah. think this happens. I don't even think one of these things happens. Maybe. But the Steelers could be playing for perfection and the Browns could be in a win-or-go-home spot. How great would that be? That would be awesome. And, 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 and it could be both. It, it could be. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's going to be that's going to be a fun one. Um, it, look, all of these are going to be fun going forward because all of them mean a little bit more. And if we get to those Sundays and we don't have all these other issues that are that are floating around us, um, this is all you could want. Look, the Detroit Lions ownership told uh, Matt Patricia a year ago at this time that they were going to give him and the GM one more year because they wanted games, they wanted to play in games that mattered in December. Well, they got embarrassed on Thanksgiving again, and they told Matt Patricia to go back to New England and, and, and take their money, uh, like we've heard very many times. I'm curious as we get close to the end of this, and I wanted to ask you about your Thanksgiving. That's why I went this way. Um, I don't blame the Detroit Lions for what they did, but I do think it's time for us all to have a conversation about what kind of coaches work and, and the whole formation of, of getting coaches. Bill Belichick, we know, is one of the best coaches of all time. Every story I've read out of Detroit since Thanksgiving Day, Zach, are I. Identical to the stories I read about Mangini when he was in Cleveland. Identical to what we read about Bill O'Brien down in Houston. And Bill O'Brien is one of the most successful ones that, that have come from that tree. Are we past the point when coaching opportunities come up in the offseason that we just go? And it's, not, it's unfair to a kid from Ohio who we all think has a chance to be a good head coach and probably waiting for Bill to walk away in New England. But the act that they do in New England doesn't work anywhere else with first-time coaches. Why is that, and why have we not figured that out yet? I mean, Patricia did everything Mangini did. It's it's sad to read all the stories because it's like, yep, been there, yep, read, yeah, no, no doubt. No doubt. Um, you know what I mean? Doesn't it's because you it. can't. Do it's because you can't fake that. It has to be organic. You have to be real. Right. You have to be personable. You know, remember the story about Mangini refusing to shake Sean Rogers' hand right off the bat? Yeah, like that's how there, those guys yeah. act because they try to be Bill. But no, no, like you have to come in and reach out to the player. It's not going to work with all those guys. And those guys know it too. Every time a new coach comes in and half of them are going to get shipped out. Right? Like, this is the fun part right now. We know the Browns got Miles Garrett. We assume that they're going to have Chubb, Ward, Wyatt Teller, Joel, Wills, Conklin, Hooper. Right? Um, Yeah. Delpit coming back. Like, there's going to be some turnover here. You know, there's got to be some upgrades here. Right. Um, and then you're never, even if you get to that point, to where you get in, to where you learn, to where you retool, and then you got to go chase Pat Mahomes and, and try to get through a season in, in this division. Like, you're never going to have 22 blue chips. you got to make it fit. And that's why I'm not writing the quarterback off. Because right now, that's kind of how it aligns. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, no look doubt. at Phil Rivers. Cam Newton threw for 84 yards last week. I mean, you really want to go dipping oh. into that pool? You want Andy Dalton or Phillip Rivers or Cam Newton to be your quarterback next year? Well, I, I kind of you want Cam Newton I, to be the Browns quarterback next year. Yeah, but You know who I want, but I'm not going to start that right now. Well, right. <laughs> look. No, I want, six, I want six to be the quarterback next year. But if it don't work next year, okay. and people will laugh, I want Stafford. Well, let's get out of here on this note. <laughs> You know, we all want success. We all want to see where this thing goes over the next five weeks leading into the coming years. And it really doesn't matter if I'm right, if you're right, if you and my mentions are right, if Dre's right, you know, whatever, because the organization has to get it right. All right. Um, He's probably going to be the quarterback next year. They go lay an egg Sunday. He should be. We might be talking differently next week. We'll talk to you then. Wow. Wow, you think so, huh? 
It's the first of the month. Wake up, wake up, wake up. I ain't Kenichiwa and Bone. I'm just going to sing it as we leave. <laughs> We're almost out of 2020. Did you have a good Thanksgiving as we leave, son? I did. Thanks for asking. Good, 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 good. All right, I'll talk Three to you later. Three games, 10 fouls, but nobody's going to see you. Y'all be good. <laughs> <laughs> I actually got on the scale this morning, and um, yeah, I, I'm down from from the start of quarantine, but I'm not that far back. <laughs>